Awesome job, PJ. Appreciate it. Um, all right. Well, uh, if you have been following Kindred Church or, or here over the last few weeks, you know that uh, this has been an eventful time for our church, to, to say the least, to catch you up if, if you're not in the loop on this. Uh, I got a call about three weeks ago from the theater manager here, which is a little unusual. I don't usually uh, talk to him on the phone too much, but he called to inform me that unfortunately this movie theater would be going out of business, uh, not this summer, not at the end of the calendar year even, but this month. And as Candace said, today is actually the last day that the theater is showing movies here, and, and this is the last day we will be worshiping together here at AMC. And what all of this has meant is that over the last couple of weeks, we have had to scramble, and I mean scramble, to try to find a new location. Um, most of the time when a, a church is going to move like this, it's like a months-long process because it takes so much time to find the right new spot and make sure it works, and there's plans and logistics, and there's communications, the congregation has to be informed, the community has to be told, and we've had to compress that month's you know, project into just a few weeks here, and so if I look like I'm exhausted today, um, that's probably why. Now, we got some good news. Uh, if you're on our email list, you, you heard the news this week. Uh, we found a, a landing spot. We're going to be moving to Lions Farm Elementary School, which is just south of, of South Point, and um, it's, it's good news. I'll say more about that in a minute. But what all this means is that we are in the middle of a major, major transition in the life of our church right now. It, it's hard to understate uh, how big of a change this is for us. And so as we sit here in this particular moment, I think we need to recognize that this is something we're going to look back on, I think, years from now, and for better or for worse, for good or for ill, we're going to say, that was a defining moment in the history of Kindred Church. And so as we sit here in the middle of this defining, pivotal moment, there's an important question that I want to get us thinking about together. And the question is, is this a crisis or is this an opportunity? Is this a crisis or is this an opportunity? You can probably see where I'm going with this, but the reason I ask this question is because if I'm being honest, over the last couple of weeks, there have been many moments when to me that this felt like a crisis, I mean, Kirsten can tell you there have been many nights when I was up at 3 a.m. tossing and turning, wondering, like, what's going to happen? Where are we going to go? You know, now we have a location, so, so that's good, but there's a whole host of other questions. I mean, how are we going to translate our whole volunteer ministry to a, a new space on Sunday mornings? How are we going to translate our, our setup and everything that we do? Uh, how are we going to adapt to our storage needs? Which, honestly, I still don't fully have the answer to that yet. That's, that's a work in progress. Uh, what if it's so far away that, that people don't come? I mean, what, what if none of this works? What, what if this proves to be the end of Kindred Church? You see my point? It, it, it's not hard to find reasons why this might be a crisis for us. However, 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 what I want us to see today is that if we can stay focused on our mission and if we can keep our trust in Jesus, then what on the surface looks like it might be a crisis, it, it actually starts to look like an opportunity. And I've come to believe that this is probably the biggest, most amazing opportunity that Kindred Church 
has ever had. I believe that. Now, to, to kind of help us think through why that is, I want to spend some time with you this morning in this story from Mark chapter 6. Because in this story, we see Jesus' very first disciples, and they're in kind of a similar situation. They're, they're in a, a moment when it, it feels to them like a crisis, but with Jesus' help, they come to see that it's, it's actually an extraordinary opportunity. I think there's a really important lesson for our church here. Uh, but before we dive into the scripture itself, would you join me in a word of prayer? God, we thank you for your word, your scripture that teaches us about who you are, that inspires us and, and guides us, that shows us how you want us to live, God. Uh, we ask you to open us up by the power of your spirit as we study your word this morning, Lord. Help us to hear the words of love and comfort that you always have for us. But God, also open us up to the ways that you're pushing us and challenging us to grow. God, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who is the living word. Amen. Well, at the beginning of this story here, uh, we meet Jesus and the disciples, and they are in a season of ministry where they are very, very busy. So what's going on is they are uh, teaching, preaching, healing people, and then the people that they preach to and teach and, and heal and all this, they go out and they tell their friends, and they bring back more people. And then they teach and they preach and they heal and they go back to their friends and they bring more people. And so there's this constant stream of people that's coming to Jesus and, and the disciples, which is great, but it also gets to be overwhelming for the disciples. In fact, Mark tells us um, in verse 31, he says, many people were coming and going so that there was no time to eat. I wonder if you've ever had one of those days where you're so busy, you're running around doing this, doing that, you don't even have time to slow down to, to eat. Uh, Candace and I have had a few of those days over the last couple of weeks. We're calling people and emailing and visiting potential location spots. Well, that's where the disciples were at the beginning of this story. Well, Jesus, he's a good leader. He's in touch with his people. And so he can see the disciples are getting pretty weary. And he decides, okay, this would be a good time to take a break, to take a little retreat and, and get some R&R. And so Jesus leads the disciples away from the crowds, and at this point, they're right on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus has the disciples get in a boat, and they, they, cross, they start crossing the, the Sea of Galilee to try to find a remote place where they can kind of hide out and rest for a bit. The problem is, some people from the crowds, they see Jesus and the disciples getting in the boats, and they can see where they're going. And the Sea of Galilee, it's called a sea, but it's really just a lake. I mean, it's not that big. And the, the people in the crowd, that they still want to see Jesus and the disciples, and, and they're so excited about this, they start taking off running around the Sea of Galilee. And as they're running around, I guess they're spreading the word because the crowd is just growing. It's like a snowball. And they run so fast that by the time Jesus and the disciples get across the sea, before they even get to the shore, there's this huge crowd of over 5,000 people that's standing there waiting on them. Now, how do you think the disciples were feeling when they saw this massive crowd waiting for them on the shore? Remember, they're exhausted, they're weary, they're probably feeling a lot of compassion fatigue, but not Jesus. When Jesus sees the crowd, his reaction is, is different. Mark tells us this, when Jesus arrived and saw the large crowd, he had what? He had compassion on them. He had compassion. This is kind of a separate sermon, but maybe somebody needs to hear this today. Jesus never gets compassion fatigue. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Jesus never gets compassion fatigue. Why? He has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
Uh, in our context today, we might say they were like puppies who didn't have a home. Have you ever seen one of those SPCA commercials? Or you know what I'm talking about already. Yeah, they're like showing you these, these poor puppies on the screen, and you got Sarah McLaughlin singing in the arms of the angels, you know, and like you know it's cheesy, but it breaks your heart anyways. Uh, I think that's kind of how Jesus was feeling when he, when he saw these, these crowds. He has compassion on them. And so even though the disciples are weary and, and they really just want to send this crowd away, Jesus goes to these people, and he resumes teaching and, and preaching and, and healing and not just a little bit, but apparently this goes on and on and on for hours. For hours, Jesus is doing this. Meanwhile, the disciples, they're not only exhausted, but they're starting to get nervous. And they're getting worried. And they're worried because their stomachs are starting to rumble. They're getting a little hungry. And they can tell that people in the crowd are starting to get hungry. And they're out in the middle of nowhere at this point. They didn't have McDonald's. They didn't have Chick-fil-A. There's nowhere for all these people to, to go and eat. Jesus is oblivious. He's just teaching, preaching, healing away. Then the disciples can see, wow, if these people don't get some food, this is about to be a crisis because it starts out, they're hungry, then they become hangry, then they become mean. You know, at some point, this could turn into like an angry mob. This is about to be a crisis. And they don't want to cut Jesus off in the middle of a sermon, but they feel like they have to. They, they go to Jesus and they say, Sent, talking about the crowd, send them away, Jesus. You can kind of hear the, the panic in their voice. Send them away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. A.K.A. Jesus, you, you got to do something. This is about to be a crisis. Now, our situation at Kindred Church is, is not quite the same as, as what they were facing, but I have to say, I, I kind of resonate with the disciples here. More than once over this past couple of weeks, I've, I've said similar things to Jesus, not like send people away, but, but like, Jesus, you got to do something. Jesus, we need help. But because if not, th th this is about to be a crisis. That's where the disciples were at. But now watch, watch how Jesus responds to them in this moment. This is so, this is so powerful. Jesus can see that in their panic, the disciples have lost sight of their mission. You know, their mission was to embody God's love for people. But right now, in their panic, all they want to do is send away all of these people, right? They're freaking out because of all of these people. And so watch how Jesus just like very gently but, but firmly, Jesus calls them back to their mission. He just says five simple words. He says, you, disciples, you give them something to eat. It's kind of like Jesus is saying to him, hey, just take a breath, take a beat, and just dream with me for a moment. Can you imagine the impact if we were able to embody God's love by feeding all of these people ourselves? Can you imagine the impact? Not just the impact on their hungry stomachs right now in this moment, but if we were to care for them in that way and embody God's love in that way, do you know the impact that would have on their heart? And on their life, it would, be, it would be incredible. Well, at this point in the story, I, I can't help but see a bit of a parallel between this situation and, and our situation. And, and I'll tell you what I mean. There's a sense in which God has led us to our own massive crowd of people right now. And here's why I say that. Did you know that within a 15-minute drive of Lions Farm Elementary, our new worship location, there are over 160,000 people 
who live in that area? That's a pretty big crowd, I would say. And did you know that it's growing? That in the next five years, that the population there is expected to grow by 11%. That's 18,000 more people who are going to be coming to that area. That's a pretty big crowd, I would say. And did you know that that part of town has one of the fewest churches per capita in all of Durham? And did you also know that there's only a small handful of churches in that area that have a commitment to inclusive theology and inclusive ministry in the way that we do at Kindred Church? So you see, kind of like the disciples in the story, we've got, this, we've got this huge crowd that God has led us to. And what we know is that there are people in this crowd who are hungry. They're hungry, not just physically hungry. I'm talking about that they're spiritually hungry. I promise you there are people in this crowd who are hungry for some unconditional love in their lives. That there are people in this crowd who are hungry for a church that's biblical and inclusive at the same time, where they can show up and they can follow Jesus and they can worship Jesus, but they can also be welcomed and loved and affirmed. And the people that they love can be welcomed and loved and affirmed. That there are people in this crowd who are hungry for a church community where they can come with their questions and their doubts and they can be honest about those and they can work out their faith journey without feeling fear of judgment or, or shame. There are people who are hungry in this crowd just for a community where they can make some meaningful friendships. Did you know I read this week that over 60% of American adults say that they struggle with loneliness to some degree? We, we got people who are hungry. That there are families of children who go to Lions Farm Elementary School who, whether they realize it or not, they are hungry for a church exactly like Kindred. There are so many people who are hungry for Jesus because Jesus tells us he is the bread of life. So you see, like the disciples, we, we got this crowd, and we know so many people are hungry. And, and I just hear Jesus saying to us, hey, Kindred, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, what happens in the story when the disciples refocus on their mission? Um, at first, the disciples are still a little reluctant, right? They're a little skeptical. Maybe you heard that in the story. They're like, uh, hey, Jesus, that sounds good. It's very inspiring. But like, how? You know, we, we got five loaves of bread. We got two fish. We got 5,000 plus people. How is this going to work? And we might have some similar questions at Kindred Church right now, right? Like, we see the opportunity. That's awesome. How in the world are we going to do this? We're, we're not a huge church, right? We, we got a lot of things to figure out. Like I said, our volunteer ministry, our storage, this and that. How are we going to communicate to the community and get this whole thing organized? It can feel overwhelming. But Jesus, in this moment, says to the disciples, hey, remember, breathe. And he says, hey, just, just trust me with what you have to give. Just trust me with what you have to give. What do you have to give? And they said, five loaves and two fish. It's, it's not enough. And Jesus says, well, just, just give it to me. And so what does he do? He takes it. He blesses it. He breaks it. He starts multiplying it into pieces. He, he gives it back to the disciples. Did you notice Jesus himself didn't actually feed the people? Remember, you give them something to eat. The disciples go around. And as they're going around passing out the bread and, and the fish, nobody can explain it. That nobody knows exactly how it happened, but somehow there was not just enough, there was more than enough. Everybody in the crowd got to eat until they were full. 
The disciples themselves, they got to eat until they were full. The story tells us that each disciple had to go around with a big giant basket to collect all of the leftovers. There was so much food. And so in the aftermath of that experience, the disciples could see, wow, Jesus was right all along. That this felt like a crisis, but when we refocus on our mission, when we just trust in Jesus, this is actually an extraordinary opportunity. So, so much so, I mean, that you think about the impact they made that day. We're still talking about this event 2,000 years later on the other side of the world. That that's the power of staying focused on the mission and, and continuing to trust Jesus. And so what does all this mean for us at Kindred Church right now? I, I hear Jesus calling us to, to, just like those disciples, trust him with what we have to give. And so I would ask you, what are your five loaves of bread and two fish? What do you have to give right now? And let me be specific. I'll give you some examples. In this pivotal, pivotal season for Kindred Church, can you give of your time? Can you give of your time to come and worship with us at Lions Farm Elementary as often as you possibly can over the coming weeks and months? Because did you know that when you show up in this room and worship with us, you bring energy you bring enthusiasm. You bring momentum to our community. I know some Sundays you wake up and you probably don't feel like coming, and you're not feeling a lot of energy and enthusiasm inwardly, but I promise you when you're in this room, you bring that to us, and we're going to need all of that energy. We're going to need all of that momentum to carry us through this time of transition. We're going to need it. Can you give of your time, not just to show up, but can you give of your time to volunteer for us? Can you serve? Don't leave it to somebody else to figure out how to make Kindred Church work at Lions Farm Elementary School. Remember, Jesus says you, you give them something to eat. I put a button in your digital bulletin. If you, if you scroll to the bottom of your digital bulletin today, there's a button there that says volunteer. I would love for you to please click that button sometime today and read through how our volunteer ministry works at Kindred Church. It's not scary it's not intimidating, it's flexible, uh, it's adaptable even for people who have very busy schedules. Please click that button and sign up and let us know that you're willing to volunteer because please hear me say, we need you. We need you. We need you right now. We do. Can you give of your time? Can you also, can you also give your invitations in this pivotal season for Kindred Church? Uh, you know, uh, just because we show up there at Lions Farm, doesn't mean that anybody else will. Did you know that? Sometimes in the church, we have this bad habit of adopting like a field of dreams mentality where it's like, if you build it, they will come. Let me tell you something. That doesn't work. <laughs> we're we're going to build it and they're not going to come. Okay? And that's sad and depressing. So we don't, we don't want that. Right? The only way they're going to come is if we bring them. We've got to bring them with us. So, hey, please, 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 over the next few weeks, be thinking, be praying about who can you bring with you to Lion's Farm. I'm talking about your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, your aunts, your uncles, your grandma, your grandpa, random people that you meet in Target, right? Tell them about our church. Tell them, hey, I'll save you a seat. Come worship with us at Lions Farm. This is so, so important. Hopefully on the way in today, um, many of you picked up a, a little card, an invite card that has the information about our launch service at Lions Farm on December the 3rd. It's a beautiful card. Uh, Tiffany worked really hard to design that for us. And what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to take it home and put it on your fridge where you can look at it. But you don't need it on your fridge because you already know when we're going to be launching. I just told you, this card is not for your fridge. It's for your friends. Okay, so be thinking about who over the next few weeks, who can you give that card to? 
and say, hey, our church is launching in this new space. We'd love for you to come and, and check it out and just, just hand them the card. It can be that simple. Can you give your invitations in this pivotal season? Last thing I'll ask you, in this pivotal season for Kindred Church, can you give your money? Can you give your money? And here's why I ask. Uh, if you have ever moved yourself, your household, you know moving ain't cheap, right? Moving has costs. We know this, and we're feeling that right now at Kindred Church. I'm just being real with you. We're feeling it. You know, I'll give you a few examples. Um, signage. Some of the signs that we use here to show people where to go at AMC are going to work just fine at Lions Farm. But some of the signs say AMC Theater on them. That's not going to work anymore, friends. We're going to need some new signs, and that costs money. As I said, we're still trying to figure out our new storage solution, but we anticipate there's going to be some costs related to that that we haven't had here. It costs money. Uh, communications. As I said, nobody's going to show up at Lions Farm unless we tell them that we're there and invite them. We, we need to reach out on social media through uh, online advertising to, to let the community know to come and, and find us there. It costs money. Now, let's dream a little bit bigger, a little bit further down the road, because this is something I've been dreaming about. A a by being in an elementary school, we're going to have an opportunity like we've never had before to connect with children, to connect with families, to connect with youth. Now, can you imagine if we had the funds to be able to hire a children's director or a youth director? Now, right now, our children's ministry and our youth ministry are all volunteer-run, and we have the, the best volunteers in the world leading those ministries. I wouldn't trade them for anybody, but they're volunteers. It's not their job. Can you imagine if we could hire someone to lead that program for us so that we could engage the, the families that, that we're going to have the opportunity to connect with and disciple them? I mean, the impact and the ripple effect of that it just, it blows my mind to think about. It's so exciting. But again, that takes funding, right? It takes funding. It's real. So, so can you give of your money in this pivotal season? Uh, it, it, just like the disciples in the story. If we can trust Jesus with what we have to give, even if it doesn't feel like a lot, even if it doesn't feel like enough, you know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to take it. He's going to bless it. He's going to multiply it. And he's going to make sure that we have everything that we need to feed the people that he's calling us to feed. So let me, let me just wrap up with this. Again, again, I put the question to you. Is this a crisis or is this an opportunity? What I can tell you is that if we lose sight of our mission and if we don't trust Jesus with what we have, then, then this is going to be a crisis. It is. And it, it may well be the end of Kindred Church. I'm just, I'm just being real with you. But if we can stay focused on the mission... And if we can trust Jesus with what we have, I think this is easily the biggest opportunity that Kindred Church has ever had. And so my prayer for us, friends, as a church family, is that we're going to lock arms in this season, and we're going to step up, and we're going to embrace, fully embrace this opportunity to feed all of these wonderful people that Jesus is calling us to feed. Let me pray for us. Well, gracious God, we... Um, we didn't ask for this major disruption. Uh, we didn't necessarily want it, God, but we also see your hands all over it. And we see that uh, th this is something that could be so good for our church community going forward. And so uh, calm our anxieties, Lord, in this season. Help us to stay focused on this opportunity that you've given us so that we can seize it and so that we can make an impact for your kingdom God, again, we thank you for this, this opportunity that you've given us, and we pray all of this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um.
Well, now we're going to transition into what we call our our commitment moment. And if you have been with us over the last month or so, you know we've been in our annual generosity campaign. This is the time of year when, as a church family, we turn our attention to how are we going to fund all of our ministries for the upcoming year? How are we going to fund the new ministries that we want to create and, and add in the coming year. 